today? Yes? Uh, You might be a little stressed, but that's okay. You can still be blessed and stressed at the same time, right? Statement of faith, just to believe no matter what I'm going through, I'm just going through, the Lord's going to bring me through it, right? Amen. Daniel chapter 6. Today we're going to be talking about one of the most familiar uh, stories of the entire Bible. Many of us have heard this story while we were growing up. Maybe you might remember when you were in Sunday school with those flannel graphs. How many remember flannel graphs? Anybody? How many have no idea what a flannel graph is? None whatsoever. Wow. Okay. Well, this is, the, this is the story of Daniel in the lion's den, in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel in the lion's den. And I want you to know that this is also one of the most misinterpreted, isogetically distorted narratives in the Bible. When this text is preached, it often sounds something like this. You are Daniel. Uh, the lion's den is whatever problem you're facing, and God will send miracles to deliver you out of your lion's den. That's usually how this story is preached, but that's not what this story is about. This is a story about being faithful to God in an ungodly culture. That's what this story is about. It's about standing in your convictions in a hostile environment. And having the courage to face the consequences of standing in those convictions and then seeing how God will use you for his glory in that time. That's what this story is about. So I want to unpack it and I want us to discover some lessons about faithfulness in an ungodly culture from this man named Daniel. So Daniel chapter 6 verse 1, it begins... It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him, Daniel, over the whole realm. So Darius is now the emperor, and we learned last week that the Medo-Persian Empire uh, took over uh, Babylon, and Darius became the new emperor over the kingdom. And this new king, Darius, has a problem in his government. Somehow, he's losing money. He's losing revenue. Either it's corruption in his organization or it's incompetence, mismanagement of his leaders. So to solve this, he creates this governance model where he establishes 120 satraps or administrators. And these 120 administrators report to three governors one of whom is Daniel, and then these three report to the king. Daniel, the scripture says, so distinguished himself in this role that Darius, the the king, considers putting him in charge of the entire organization, basically making him second in command, and then all of the governors would report to Daniel. So this is the first lesson. We're going to go through and just call out some some lessons that we can learn here from Daniel. So number one, the first lesson about faithfulness in an ungodly culture from Daniel that we learn is this. Be a person of excellence. Everybody say excellence. 
Daniel was distinguished because verse 3 says, an excellent spirit was in him. He was a person of excellence, which means that he performed at the upper range of his talent and his skill level. He was reliable. He was competent. He had a good attitude. He was trustworthy. He didn't cut corners. He didn't take personal days every other week. He didn't show up late and go home early and pass the hard work off to to someone else. He was a person of excellence who made himself valuable in the king's organization. But what, now here's what we need to understand about Daniel. What gave him this work ethic, this value, what made him this way was the fact that Daniel was a man of God. He was a man of God. In, in, in chapter 5, we read last week how the queen mother also said that he had an excellent spirit because the spirit of God was in him. Even the governors and the satraps here in this chapter around Daniel, they discussed how Daniel's faithfulness to God is what defines him. His excellent spirit. Now understand, Daniel's excellent spirit was a product of his commitment to his God. Of his commitment in that whatever he did, he would do for the glory of God. That's what gave him an excellent spirit. And that's why he didn't cut corners. That's why he didn't skim money off the top for himself. That's why he didn't complain about his hours. That's why he didn't gossip about his boss. Because he wanted to glorify God in everything that he did. Amen. What does that tell us? It tells us that being a a man of God, being a woman of God, being a Christian, a true Bible Christian, makes you better. It just makes you better. What do you mean better? It makes you better. It makes you a better employee. It makes you a better boss. It makes you a better husband or wife. It makes you a better student. It just makes you better in everything you do because you know that you answer to a higher power than the authority that sits over you. You know not only do you report to that manager, that eventually you report to God. And that not just eventually, but right now, real time, we report to God. And God responds to us in our attitude, our work ethic, our integrity, our character, our humility, all of those things. Amen? And with that knowledge that we are accountable to God, it makes us better in everything we do. Even when we have to serve under someone we don't like. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, now you're thinking, all right, you're talking about me right now because I got some bosses that I have to deal with that I don't like. That's okay. You can can still be productive and excellent under a boss you don't like because you're not just under him, you're under God and you report to God. Amen? Being a man of God, a woman of God makes you what? It makes you better. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, understand that this reality that Daniel was a man of God and he brought his godly character to the workplace, is what led to his promotion. He didn't hide his faith. He wasn't embarrassed about his faith. He was very open about who he was as a child of God. And that is what eventually set him up for promotion, which is the second lesson that we learned from Daniel about faithfulness in ungodly culture. Be bold with your faith. Can you say that with me? Be bold with your faith. Don't hide your faith. Don't believe the lie that the only way that you can get ahead in this world is to pretend that you're secular just like everyone else. 
okay? Don't pretend that what you need to do is keep your faith hidden and never talk about church or never talk about prayer or never talk about the Bible and, and hope that because, you know, you don't wear your faith on your, on your sleeve that, that everyone will like you and no one will be offended by you and someone will eventually promote you. Now, you can live that way if you want, you know, to please everyone around you and, and to, you know, to conform and capitulate to the secular culture around you, but I believe it is much better when you simply live your life as a Christ follower and you be real about who you are and your faith, be true to your faith, be bold in your faith, be open about your faith, and let God promote you in his time. Stop looking for man to open doors for you and believe that as you glorify God, God's going to open doors for you. How many believe that God is able to do that? Amen? Right? Because listen, when God opens a door, no man can shut it. When God wants to promote you, no boss can stop you. When God is for you, who can stand against you? Do we believe this? Okay? So the way to get ahead is not to just become secularized like everyone else. It's to be who we are. I'm a Christian. I go to church. How was your weekend? It was great, man. I went to church. Man, the pastor preached this amazing sermon from Daniel chapter 6. The anointing fell. The worship was great. I mean, the people in the world will look at you like you're crazy, but that's okay. Let them think you're crazy. You're crazy about Jesus. The world needs to see some people that are still crazy about Jesus. Well, they're going to think I'm a fanatic. It's about time somebody thought we were fanatics. We've got too many Christians today just conforming and capitulating and just being secular like everyone else, thinking that they're going to win points with somebody. Guess what? Newsflash. You're not going to win points by hiding your faith. Be bold in your faith. Put God first and let God be the one who promotes you. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that if, you, if you're bold about your faith and you put God first, that you won't face resistance. Because in Babylon... <laughs> You know, we're all living in Babylon today, right? In Babylon, when godly people get promoted, it often brings resistance. How many have discovered that? Anybody? Which is the third lesson from Daniel. Be ready for some resistance. Verse, verse 4. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning his kingdom. Now, remember, as we just read, the, the king saw that Daniel was excellent, so the king was thinking about promoting Daniel, right? And so all of these leaders found out that the king was about to promote Daniel, so they conspired against Daniel to stop this promotion, right? So they sought to find some charge concerning Daniel, but they could find no charge or fault because he was what? He was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Now, here comes the resistance. These men saw Daniel as a threat. They were envious of him. They were jealous of him. And they went behind the scenes to manipulate the king so that they could destroy Daniel. Envy, jealousy, always hates the excellence that it cannot achieve. When you demonstrate excellence, there will be... Listen, when you demonstrate value, when you kind of raise the standard around you, there will always bring, be people who will resent you and who will resist you, who will gossip you about you and, and attack you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? But don't let that stop you from being a person of value 
and excellence, right? But here's what I want us to realize today, that there's more at work here than just jealous co-workers. We live in a world, in a system that is hostile toward the people of God. Ephesians 6.12 says that we have enemies that are conspiring behind the scenes, just like these governors and these satraps were, to oppose us, to trap us, to destroy our faith. Unseen forces in this world that see us as a threat. They are malignant, they are calculating, they are sinister forces that are engineering schemes and strategies against us to try and neutralize us as a threat. Verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 6 says it like this, the wiles, it talks about the wiles of the devil. The Greek there, the Greek word therefore wiles means schemings, methods, strategies, right? And this is what we see happening here with these governors and these satraps. They are working behind the scenes. They are engineering a plot, scheming and manipulating so that they could somehow, now watch this, somehow put Daniel's faith at odds with the prevailing culture and thereby frame him as a threat. Did you get that? That's how the enemy wanted to neutralize Daniel, and that's how the enemy wants to neutralize the church today, to somehow put our faith at odds with prevailing culture and then frame us as a threat, okay? And, but in order for that scheme to work, the governors and satraps were counting on a fact that they knew to be true, the fact that Daniel would always stay true to his faith. That, that, was, that was the one thing that their whole plan pivoted on. It was all dependent on the reality that they could count on Daniel to be faithful to God. It's what we call integrity. Everybody say integrity. Even, he had so much integrity, even his enemies saw it. They, they couldn't even find anything wrong with him. This guy was just dripping with integrity. You cut him and integrity would come out. This is the fourth lesson from Daniel. Be a person of integrity. Verse 6. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. So here's the plan. These governors, they knew that Daniel would never worship or pray to any god other than his one true god, Jehovah. The enemy knew that. So they said, they got together and said, let's do, let's do this. Let's Let's make the king into a god that everyone must worship. And we know Daniel, he'll never do that. So he'll have to defy the king, and the king will have no choice but to kill him. That was their plan, right? So they go to Darius, and they say to Darius, King, O king, live forever. If anyone ever comes to you like that, know they're trying to set you up, okay? <laughs> oh, Pastor Dylan, live forever. You know that you're getting ready for something, right? King, we think, here's what they said. 
King, we think you, you're awesome, King. You're so awesome. You're so amazing. We think you should be God for 30 days. You should be honored and exalted above every idol and every god in Babylon. And to demonstrate our fidelity to you, no one should be allowed to pray to any god except to you for 30 days. Which wasn't unusual in ancient culture. The the Egyptians worshipped their pharaohs as god. The the, the Romans worshipped Caesars as god. So this wasn't unusual. And Darius you know, without thinking it through, of course, his ego was getting stroked. He thought to himself, you know what? <laughs> I am pretty awesome. I am kind of an amazing guy. This is a great idea. Yeah, let's do it. Write the law down, and I'll sign it. And so the writing was signed into law, and, uh, and which if Darius signs the writing, it cannot be changed because, of course, he's God, and a God doesn't make mistakes, right? And so the, 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 the The scheme was put in place, and as I said, for this scheme to work, it all depended on what? Daniel's integrity. It all depended on his integrity. They were counting on Daniel to keep to his principles, which would put him at odds with the king and the culture, and this is exactly what happened in verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. So what does Daniel do when he finds out that this law has been established? He did what he always did the way that he always did it. What does that mean? That means that he kept his integrity. He was a Jew. He worshiped Jehovah. And as a Jew, worshiping, following Jehovah, he had certain convictions. He had certain principles that he would not compromise. And one of his principles, his convictions, was that he was committed to praying three times a day, every day, with his windows open toward Jerusalem. Which brings us to number five, which is the essence of integrity. Be true to your principles. This is what integrity is all about. Everyone loves integrity and loves to say they have integrity, but this is what really defines integrity. Whether or not we will be true to our principles when it costs us something. And that's what this story is really all about. Now, a little little background here. Why did he pray three times a day, every day, with his windows open towards Jerusalem? Now, we don't know exactly for sure. There's nothing in Mosaic law that says, thou shalt open your windows three day and three day, uh, uh, every day and pray towards Jerusalem three times a day. There's nothing in the Ten Commandments saying that thou shalt do this, right? But we do know we do know that in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 38, when Solomon dedicated the temple, he made a prayer to God. And he said, if the day comes when your people disobey you and they're taken as captives to a foreign land, if they will pray towards this temple, then you shall forgive their sins and hear from heaven and deliver them from their captivity. So Daniel, now there's no specific command saying that he has to do this, right? But there was a principle. Everybody say principle. 
And Daniel was under the conviction of that principle that he read from the Old Testament scriptures, right? That if you're in captivity and you pray towards Jerusalem, God will hear you and he will restore you back to your land, right? And so he had developed this conviction, this discipline, that as long as he was a captive in Babylon, he would follow Solomon's directive. And it was this commitment to principles that distinguished Daniel as faithful to his God. Are you following with me? Okay. This is what integrity looks like. Integrity is all about commitment to principles. What are principles? Principles are certain ethical standards, certain moral convictions that to you are absolute and cannot be compromised. Now, we are living today in a time of moral ambiguity, moral relativism that says, There are no absolutes. You may have your truth. I may have my truth, but you can't tell me what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's false. Everyone decides that for themselves. But this is what the pagans say. This is what the Babylonians say. This is what the secular world says. And let me remind you, we are not the secular world. We are not Babylonians. We are not pagans. We are Christians. We are Christ followers who believe in something called the word of the living God. And this contains our code of conduct. This is our moral absolute. Amen? And living in Babylon, we must be these people just like Daniel, who said, I, who said, I have certain principles, certain convictions that I will not compromise no matter the cost. No matter the cost. And understand, from the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will give you and me convictions. Even convictions where there may not be a specific command. Are you tracking with me right now? Where the Holy Spirit may deal with you, maybe because of your upbringing, or the battles that you fought, or the thing that you, things that you've come through, where God brings you to a certain place where you have convictions about something. That you can't participate. You won't go to certain places. You won't do certain things. You have these convictions. To you, for you, it's sin because of the way the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. Amen? Certain things you, other people may feel like they can do, but for you, you can't do it because the Holy Holy Spirit put you under conviction. The Holy Spirit will give you and me convictions, right? Just like Daniel had that conviction to pray three times a day with the windows open. Integrity means... Being faithful to our principles regardless of the consequences of those principles. Amen? And that is going to require the sixth quality that we learn from Daniel. We've got to be people who have courage. Be a person of courage. Everybody say courage. There were consequences for the principles that Daniel had. Now, we know the story. Governors, the satraps, they came to Darius. They said, there's a man here, Daniel. He's not following the rule. He's, not, he's praying to his God when he should only be praying to you. Daniel's disrespected you. Daniel has broken the law. And now you must throw him into the den of lions. So in verse 16, the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. Verse 17, then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. 
If you stand for principle in Babylon, you will need courage because there may be consequences. That's what this story is about. Now, today, you may not be thrown into a den of lions, but you could still be attacked. If you speak truth to culture, if you dissent from woke ideology, political correctness, if you do not support things like same-sex marriage, if you don't use someone's preferred pronouns, if you don't conform to all the political narratives of an abortion, you can be stigmatized, you could be marginalized, you could be demonized, you'll be labeled as a bigot, a hater, a transphobe, a homophobe, a right-wing extremist, right? Your business, your career, your reputation could all suffer. You could be demoted, suspended, or even terminated, fined, even sued. For what? For standing on your principles, regardless of consequence. How many remember this guy named Jack Phillips, the owner of the Masterpiece Cake Shop, sued by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission because he refused to provide a cake for a same-sex wedding because he said it violated his biblical beliefs. You may have heard about the high school football coach, Joe Kennedy, was fired from Bremerton High School in Washington because he refused to stop praying publicly. After the football games were over and every, everyone was dismissed from the field, he would go out to the center of the field, he would bow his knee, and he would thank God that all of his players remained safe and healthy during the game. Fired. Because they said that it was a violation of separation of church and state. Then there was Tanner Cross, a gym teacher in Loudoun County, Virginia, who refused to use a transgender student's pronouns because it violated his religious convictions to do that. And he was suspended by the school. Now, the good news is that each one of these appealed their cases in higher courts and won. Tanner Cross was reinstated. Joe Kennedy was rehired. Jack Phillips won in Supreme Court, although right now he's under another lawsuit from a transgender woman, which is a biological man who is calling himself a woman. Got that. Sometimes a little confusing. He's being sued by a transgender woman because he won't provide a cake for her transgender um, party, whatever, whatever that is. And he's being sued right now. But the bottom line is this. These are difficult situations, right? Even though they came through the courts and won, they, they were in the lion's den for a while, <laughs> amen, right? But this is what it means to live as a Christian in a pagan culture. I remember myself losing my job as a carpenter because I refused to work on a job building a bar where they were serving alcohol because of my convictions, and I lost my job because of that. And I didn't, get my, I didn't get my job back, okay? There will be consequences. But understand, this is how we impact culture. Is anybody hearing me today? We do not impact culture by just quietly capitulating and just go along to get along. Daniel could have done that. He could have said, it's only 30 days. 
It's only 30 days. I mean, I don't have to pray to the king. I can just not pray at all, and I'll, and I'll be fine, right? I can take a month off from prayer. You know, maybe I'll go on vacation or something for a month, you know, and, and I won't have to do any of that stuff, you know? I'll still be saved. God will still love me. I mean, after all, I don't want to lose my job. I mean, I might lose my job and get thrown in a den of lions. I mean, how can I be an influence in Babylon if that happens, right? So let me just go along to get along, and we'll, and we'll get through this. No, that's not what Daniel did. And that's not what we do. That's, this is what we call integrity. Understand, the systems of this world survive on our fears of challenging its lies and its delusions. You hearing what I'm saying? The systems, the deception of this world, they survive because people of truth refuse to challenge it. And we just go along to get along. That's when the systems of this world thrive and take over. It's when the Daniels of this world stop their praying, stop their speaking, stop their standing firm so that the governors and the satraps won't make trouble for them. It's only when Daniel persevered in his principle that God Jehovah alone is the God that I serve and worship, it's only when he was willing to face the consequences of his principles that the schemes of the enemy were exposed and defeated. How many are following with me? Which brings us to the last lesson from Daniel. Be prepared to persevere. Verse 19. The king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. When he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? If I was Daniel, there'd be a long pause. Let the suspense build, right? Then Daniel, a voice comes from the lion's den, O king! Live forever. My God. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? My God, send his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me. Because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Hallelujah. What are we talking about? The need to be ready to persevere. Now you might say, well, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like perseverance. That sounds like deliverance. It sounds like, a... so, Pastor Greg, maybe you got that wrong. Maybe your last point should be, be prepared to expect a miracle. Now, let me circle back to my opening comment and, again, emphasize the danger of telling this story. The danger is to say that Daniel represents you and me, and the lions represent all our trials, and God comes along with a miracle and rescues us out of all our trials. To say, and understand, to say that God will rescue us always from our difficulties unharmed, not only does a disservice to the text, it does a disservice to each of us. Now, God can and does rescue people from trial. Second Peter chapter 2 says, The Lord knows how to deliver the ungodly out of temptations and reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. He can and he does rescue us from trials. 
But that does not mean that God rescues us from every trial every time. That is not the message of the story. How many are with me? What happens here is an exceptional, miraculous outcome for the glory of God. And the way that God operated here for Daniel is not a statement of a pattern. It's a statement of of a principle. The principle is this, that God operates in our lives either to deliver us or not deliver us for his purpose and glory, not for our comfort and ease. Romans 8.28 says, we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are what? We like to stop there. Oh, we know that God works all things together for the good, right? For those, now listen to the condition, to those who love God and are the called according to what? His purpose. What does that mean? That means that when God works things together for the good, it's not for our comfort and ease, it's for his purpose, for the good of his purpose, the good and acceptable will, the good, perfect, acceptable will of God. That's why he works, amen? What ha- listen, what happened to Daniel isn't about him being delivered. It's about God being glorified. This is where we miss it in this story. This is where a lot of preachers kind of go off, off topic here. They make it about God making life easy for us, and that's not the point. The point is God will work miracles. He will work behind the scenes. He will cause all things to work together for the good, for his purpose and glory, Verse 24, and the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children and their wives and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote, look at this, to all peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. That's the point of this story. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the, and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Hallelujah. Now let me just emphasize this. As we, get right, as we close, I'm going to ask the worship team to join me here. Not everyone gets delivered from the lions. Isaiah, the prophet, tradition tells us, was stuffed into a log and sawed in half. Peter, along with his, Peter was crucified upside down after watching his wife and daughters be crucified. Paul was beheaded in Rome. John was banished to the Isle of Patmos. I have friends in Cuba, in India, in Nigeria, who will tell you about real-time, modern-day persecution. That they're, I was on the phone for, for an hour this past week with a general superintendent in Cuba telling me about what's going on in Cuba right now and what's happening in the church and the oppression and the persecution that's going on. In Canada, pastors are being arrested and fined for simply preaching that homosexuality is a sin. But their testimony is this. It's not always that God delivered them. It's how God sustained them in their den of lions and used them and was glorified through them to exalt his name. Isn't that what our lives are really about? 
It's not about me getting an ease. It's not about me getting a break. God, can you cut me a break? When, when is it my turn, Lord, to be happy? I've had people tell me. When is it my turn to be happy? It's not about us being happy. It's about us being used for, by God for his glory. I know that's not a popular message. But listen, as we enter into the last of the last days, and the days get darker, and perilous times will come, my job is not to make you feel better and make you happy. My job is to help us be prepared to endure and persevere what is going to come. And I have to remind you, not everyone gets delivered from the lion's den. So the message of this story is not about deliverance. The message is that when you're in there, he's in there with you. And that he's working all things together for the good, for those who love God and are called to his purpose. And this is where I want to close. Let's stand together. Not not with a focus on me getting the deliverance that I want, but on my willingness to stand firm in Babylon regardless of the consequence so that he gets the glory. Are you with me? To stand firm, Lord, help me to stand firm in Babylon despite the consequence that you get the glory. Use me, God. Use my testimony. Use me, God, like you used Daniel to bring glory. Come on, lift it. if that's your prayer, lift up a hand to the Lord. Lord, help me, God, to stand firm in Babylon. Help me to stand firm. Come on, lift up that other hand. Just say, Lord, whatever the consequence, Lord, Lord, give me the grace. Give me the strength. Give me the ability to stand firm in Babylon, Lord God. Help me, Lord. I'm trusting you. I'm seeking you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hear our cry, God. Some of us, Lord, are in employment situations where we're being asked or even required to do things that go against our convictions. Lord, I pray, give wisdom to your church, God. Give wisdom to your church, God, on how to answer, how to respond, how to react. Some, Lord, are concerned about being terminated, losing their jobs, maybe even being sued. Some are being attacked, Lord God, gossiped about, labeled. Lord, I pray you'll give us boldness, God. God, give your church boldness, Lord God. Behold the threats, Lord of the enemy against us, but give us boldness, Lord God. Come on, lift up your hands. Just say, Lord, I need boldness in these last days. Lord, I need boldness. Come on. Lord, I need boldness, Lord God. I need wisdom, Lord God, to be able to stand firm on principle, God, despite the consequence, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's take a moment. Let's just take a moment. Let's, let's worship the Lord in this you moment. You are Jaira. You are enough. Yes, Any God. circumstance. Jaira, yes, Lord. You are enough. My God, my God. I will, and I will be content, no matter the circumstance. Yes, God. You yes, are God. Jaira, my God. You are enough. You're my provider. You're my sustainer. Jaira, you yes, are, you are enough. Yes, you are, Lord. Yes, you, you are, Lord. You are enough. My God. Even if it's in the lion's den. Hallelujah. And I will be content in every circumstance. You are Jaira. My God. You are enough. You are Jaira. Help us, Lord. You are enough. That's our prayer, God. That's our prayer, yes, Lord. Lord. That, Lord, in our trial, 
in our challenge in the lion's den to be able to say, you're Jaira, my provider, my sustainer. You'll strengthen me, Lord. You give me what I need to stand firm, Lord God. Hallelujah. Father, I want to pray that as we close this service, God, Lord, you'll empower us to be your church in Babylon. Let us be like Daniel's in Babylon, Lord God. Let us stand on the principles, the convictions of your word, Lord God, without fear of consequence, Lord, to be able to influence the culture around us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, church. Amen.